0: Just a podcast where you women explain the latest technology. I'm your host, consumer tech reporter at Gizmodo.com,
1: Florence Lyon. And I am your co-host, consumer tech editor, Michelle Earhart. How are you today, Flo?
0: How am I today? I'm excited. I'm excited. I haven't fully had time to really take in the new Pokemon trailer that came out this morning because yes. it came out while you were all awake and I was still asleep. Uh, but we are going to get into that in today's episode because I already asked
1: your permission to <laughs> take over an episode again. No, with my I am happy love. to spend some time in Poke, Spain.
0: This is great. I see, Michelle, we're really bonding over our shared love of some really nerdy shit, and I love it.
1: <laughs> Speaking of nerdy shit, I'm in my home yes. office today, uh, so you <laughs> might see a little bit more of my personality here. Than in the past. And that's because I want to be able to show off some ergonomic gear later in the uh, show. But you'll see I have a bunch of uh figures on uh, my right side. Mm-hmm. Um Most of those my boyfriend built. But I did build a couple of them. And I have Charmander here on the left. So oh, I am down to sure. talk about You Pokemon. might have to
0: grab Charmander in between a break. Okay. To have him be a part or have them be a part of our Pokemon
1: conversation. I also have a Kirby on my desk.
0: I have a couple Kirby's too. Uh, You know what I have? It's just very random. It's one of these Kirby.
1: Yes. I love those things. Kirby makes me so happy. I haven't. I barely played the new game, but I do like what I have played of it. But Kirby as a concept just makes me very happy. I agree.
0: I have a Ninja Kirby in my car that watches over me when I drive. That's wonderful. (laughs) I just want to swallow everybody and.
1: So today is the Kirby episode.
0: Uh, just wait until we have that episode. Oh, that's going to be fun. You know what? Michelle and I will dress in pink.
1: <laughs> I used to put Kirby in a bunch of photos that I took for an old site that I worked. Just as like I needed some desk decoration mm-hmm. while taking gear. And then eventually my editor said, hey, this is great. We need less Kirby <laughs> because like Kirby was in every photo that I took. And my reviews were taking up the whole like review page. So suddenly the review page was just like the Kirby page, like Kirby, 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 Kirby. But I think that's a good thing.
0: We are are enthusiastic about Kirby here at Gizmodo.com. So (laughs) we're also this desk mat that I have behind me, which is showing this We're going to be talking about ergonomics today, which is like, oh, my God, really? And when your wrists and back start hurting, you will thank us for this conversation. Yes, really. But this desk mat has been in a lot of pictures on gizmodo.com. So shout out Lodica for designing this. Uh, Well, I guess, Michelle, that is our cue to get into the show today, which before we get into the ergonomics of it all, we're going to talk a little bit about the steady and impending downward spiral of Netflix. Yes, it's a, I'm, I'm being a, a little, uh, you know.
1: Facetious.
0: Yes. Facetious or I'm really, I'm sorry. My brain is blanking right now. Let me try and it let me was try a and holiday fix that.
1: Weekend. <laughs> let
0: me try and fix that. Uh, I meant to say that I am being a little bit outlandish, but Things are not looking good for Netflix right now, which is why they've been making a lot of changes. They've been testing a whole program. They're cutting back on spending. We're going to talk a little bit about that first thing. And then last thing, after we talk about ergonomics, we're going to get into that new Pokemon trailer. So I know. Awesome. (laughs) I know. I know. I know. It's going to be good. Uh, So with that note, let's take a quick break. And when we get back... talk about it, which is the slight downfall of Netflix. And I say this anecdotally because it does seem like I thought, Michelle, that people were not watching Netflix anymore. And then I went to a outdoor bridal shower (laughs) over the Memorial Day weekend. And, you know, I got together with some some folks and i heard a lot of talk about all the new stuff that's on netflix i guess uh bling empire is back which was one of their more popular reality tv series and then of course stranger things
1: the new stranger you know, things is out the new stranger things have you watched it i haven't watched it yet
0: no i can't i don't know how i'm going to watch it because it's way too scary to watch around mona And, you know, everything else that we watched so far has been okay. Like, I watched Obi-Wan over the weekend. I watched Mm -hmm. Sonic 2 over the weekend. You know, I always watch my reality TV garbage around her. But anything with, like, monsters that could give a kid bad dreams, I don't want to expose her to. At least words will go over her head at this age.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: All that said, um, Netflix is – You would think that Netflix is not doing so well if you've been reading the news. And what's going on in the news right now – is in the last couple of weeks we heard that Netflix was uh, doing massive layoffs and they blamed their lower numbers on password sharing. Mm -hmm. And so what they're doing right now overseas in select markets is that they're currently running a password sharing pilot program. This is currently happening in beautiful places like Costa Rica, Chile, and Peru
1: all places on my bucket list to visit. Love how they make it sound like a good thing. Like, oh, this is a pilot program. You've been specially selected to be screwed over.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's the kicker, Michelle, right? Because what they're doing, so they began testing in March. It's been going on for about two months now. And as you can imagine, user reaction has been pretty negative. But here's the kicker, is that if you are a part of this program, a spokesperson for Netflix told us here at Gizmodo that the fee is around two dollars in the U.S. And this is the fee they're going to tack on if they find out that you are sharing your passwords with people outside of your household, which uh, is comprised of the immediate your household is comprised of immediate people that you live with, not not people like your mom and your father-in-law who lives across the country or your cousin who really
1: wants to watch blink empire so now Uh, netflix is gonna track my ip is what Mm -hmm. i'm hearing
0: it i would assume that's how they do it that's how youtube tv Mm -hmm. did the uh how they were kind of cracking down on folks who were sharing their youtube accounts youtube tv accounts and that really sucked for me because (laughs) my best friend who lives in arizona can no longer watch 90 day fiance with me
1: oh no (laughs) What's the because- point of watching reality TV if you don't have people to gossip about it with?
0: That's actually the whole point why I kind of still watch reality TV. Is I like like the community shit talking aspect of it. I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Get it out of my system. I don't know, but uh, in all sincerity, this is not good news for the families and the pods, you know, and the friend circles right now who are sharing passwords, maybe not just for Netflix, but for other services as well. Because I feel like this, if Netflix finds some revenue growth in this, that this could affect all of us
1: negatively, don't you think? Yeah, Um, I agree 100%. I really, it annoys me how streaming has only gotten worse since like the the very (laughs) early days when uh, netflix was the only service around and everything was on netflix and it was very cheap now they keep introducing new services and spinning it as like wow it's this cool shiny new thing but to make those new services they just have to make netflix worse which i understand is part of why netflix itself not being tied to some major existing content library brand like disney or warner brothers or whatever is now struggling um and now that's gotten to the point of netflix being worse not just in terms of the content it can offer but in how it's offered as well um and i really miss the days when cord cutting seemed like it was different from cable in any other way than just like how your content is delivered to you like now it's it's comes over the internet via rather than over my cable wire. But the way it's priced is relatively the same at this point.
0: I would say it's more if Mm -hmm. you are paying for, you know, in my case, I'm paying for the highest tier of internet because, uh, you know, my husband and I both work from home. We both work really bandwidth demanding jobs, quite frankly. And so we're paying a lot of money per month just for access to the internet. Not to mention, all the stuff that I do pay for because I am a, I am a TV fiend. Uh, that is it's, I would say TV watching is one of my hobbies and I don't care who knows it. I used to be, it used to be something that I was, people would shame me about, but I think that's just because people are very elitist people about TV as a form of storytelling.
1: Now go read io9, by the way, nice plug. Mm-hmm. Uh, io9 is our wonderful pop culture section at Gizmodo where we have a lot of uh, very clever and insightful um, articles about TV and movies and comics, and we need to get them
0: on back on here. By the way, because after Star Wars week, whatever was happening last week, I'm like, I need the I need the skinny on what's happening this summer. Right? I because actually so moonlit
1: at Io9 like last week and wrote an article about the Star Wars EU for them. Uh, yes, so I am down to have them on to talk about Star Wars. You know, I'm going to
0: put that in the show notes for anybody who's interested, by the way, just because I know that's a very important part of Michelle's heart.
1: <laughs> so, so we, teaser yeah. for later. But for now, Netflix, for now. Uh, TV, TV is getting harder to watch now. Uh, and you have cable. Still, harder right? and easier, by the way. Harder. Yeah. yeah,
0: I do. I have YouTube TV, which I consider to be cable because it gives me access to broadcast. So, you and- like
1: TV. You have all sorts of methods of getting TV. <laughs> yes, I do. This is not a. This is not meant as anything other than flow. Please teach me what TV is right now and what your thoughts on it are.
0: You know, I wasn't going to. I put this in the show notes, but I wasn't going to mention it. But I'm going to say I was on. I was on Reddit yesterday, um, as you do, and I am obviously in the. Real Housewives and Beverly Hills 90210 subreddits. And I was on there, I was noticing in the comments a lot of people complaining that Hulu this week started showing expiration dates for some of the content. So I guess what's happening is now Paramount, which um, has access to 90210 because it's CBS, Viacom, they ended up buying the rights to it. And then Peacock, which is NBC, they're taking the reins back on the Housewives franchise and they're moving them to their own streaming services because they want to bring you over there, whether you pay for the low tier with ads, which is like five bucks, I think, for each of them, or you pay for a higher tier with no ads, which I think is like 10 to 12 bucks. And maybe for some people that's worth it for that library of content. Netflix is going to struggle as this happens more and more, however, because now... I foresee we maybe this really is what it is. This is the a la carte way of buying what you want to watch, uh, what you want to stream, is that you just go to the network where you have kind of all the preferred titles. But the other problem is now there's all this fragmentation and maybe you do want access to everything, so you're paying more. Either way, Netflix is not as much of part of this equation as I think it used to be in the beginning of this conversation because the content that they are providing now is a lot of originals. Mm-hmm. It's not the nostalgic favorites. It's not the entire Disney cartoon archive, you know, from the beginning of the company's history to now and all the new stuff. It is whatever they're trying to throw money at to bring people in, whether it's content like stranger things. Um, I know Ozark was a really big one for them, but that just ended, I just – I don't know. They also said, by the way, back to Netflix, they, there was a story this morning in The Hollywood Reporter, which is a paper of note for, uh, for Hollywood, for mm-hmm. the film and TV industry. And they basically said that Netflix is scaling back on some of its content budgets. So what it's doing – By the way, this is a really good quote. Morale is stuck at stock level, says one executive semi-juggingly. Another executive describes the mood within Netflix right now as as distracted, given the changes. There's so much stuff that's going on internally right now because you could see that they're kind of in fire-safe mode. And so they're saying small movies are not going away, uh, but they could become more niche and sort of catered to a very passionate audience. I think, you know, we've seen that with Netflix – Buying the rights to a lot of uh, K dramas mm-hmm. and a lot of overseas content, international content that maybe you haven't had access to before.
1: Squid game did very well for them,
0: yeah, to the point where didn't they get kind of, didn't the original publishers in Korea they were annoyed about not- something.
1: I'm not 100% aware of what went down there, but that does like bring that does speak to what you were saying. I don't want to go on a big tangent or whatever, but like, you know, they don't have this big library of past content. So if they want to provide anything exclusive, which as other streaming services pull things from their service, they're going to have to do, they have to develop it originally. And obviously that takes a lot of time and money, which is why you see things like these small movies being canceled. But uh, it also means that they can take the route of licensing distribution for something overseas, which is where you see them investing in a lot of these K-dramas and a a lot of anime coming to Netflix. It almost reminds me of um, the 90s when I was growing up when you saw these companies being like, ah, we want to become a, a children's entertainment brand, but we don't have the money to actually produce our own animation. Uh, let's just take whatever Japan's doing, throw this like slapdash dub over it and, and put it on about TV. Deke?
0: Are we talking about the Deke dub of Sailor Moon? Is that what you're I'm talking about?
1: I'm talking about the Deke dub of Sailor Moon. I'm also talking about like the four kids dub of, of, of Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> and, and yes, Pokemon, as, as much as we love Pokemon, there there are you know, jelly donuts and whatever.
0: <laughs> it's no, it's true. It's very true. Um, just by the way, shout out to Tsunami for mm-hmm. for taking that over and trying to do a little better than Deke did yeah. in the in the later years. But I, I wanna so I have a little theory that I've been working on, and I'm gonna use the Kardashians as my as my thread for this because I know. Oh, everybody's rolling their eyes at me. But they their whole thing is advertising their family and making money off of the family. So I always look at the moves they're making. And remember, they left the e-network on cable to go to Hulu specifically. And a lot of people are like, why are they doing that? Remember, Hulu has Disney backing behind it, which is one of the major, major conglomerates that we have in streaming. And my understanding is Hulu has a lot more international reach than Disney Plus does, so it makes sense for the Kardashians who maybe want to like make money outside of the U.S. and sort of like bring that in. And so I see, I, you know, this is such a theory that came out of nowhere, but I see Netflix et al kind of like those who are struggling trying to bring money in from outside the U.S. But, you know, the that begs the question, what's going to happen here for us stateside? Does mm-hmm. that mean that we're going to just
1: our content is just going to? kind of limp over like I mean I I love the the international content we talked about that a few weeks Mm -hmm. ago so I'm excited to see more of that but yeah as far as like stuff developed in the United States originally for Netflix uh not a lot of it has appealed to me recently and as the service gets harder to use uh or more expensive to use or starts cracking down on things like password sharing Flo, I've been thinking about cutting down the streaming services that I subscribe to. And I have, like, Same. not wanted to do that to Netflix for a while now. I hate to say it partially out of nostalgia, uh, but also just because there have been originals in the past that have appealed to me. Um, but that is becoming less of a case. And, you know, I wonder how much of it is just, like, exhaustion with the, the binge watch model, which uh, Netflix is still doing to a degree. Um, you know, I don't want to sit down and watch an entire Stranger Things in a weekend, especially because I don't remember what happened in the last season of Stranger Things because I watched, you it watched it all over a weekend <laughs> two years ago. Whereas like the shows I've been watching on Disney+, Plus, I remember Mandalorian a little bit more easily. I remember... Uh, Obi-Wan, which is coming out right now a bit more easily because that was aired on, on a weekly basis. You know, there's exactly other pros and cons to this. It's not like one distribution method is inherently better than the other. But I think Netflix is going to need to experiment with content just as much probably more so than pricing going forward, uh, especially given how its pilot program is not being well received at all.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like that is a good little bit for us to end on that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise I'm going to get into how I don't think Bling Empire is the greatest thing in reality TV. And I realize it's a controversial opinion, but stay in the segment, you don't have to yell at me anymore on your end you can instead you can send us an email and
1: tell me how you feel about what i just said I get nothing Jessica's about mono.com. bling empire
0: it's just really rich people doing things with lots of money and
1: <laughs> well speaking about really rich people doing things with money let's talk about overpriced ergonomic gear
0: <laughs> perfect let's take a quick break before we get into it Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu
1: slash podcast.
0: Well, ergonomics may not seem like the juiciest topic to bring on a podcast, but Michelle and I have been in a lot of pain. Uh, and we, <laughs> it, it's not just us. It's, I'm always talking to friends. Like when I have a carpal tunnel flare up, I, I tweeted about it actually a couple of weeks ago and I'm glad I did. It was the first time that I was really sort of public or loud about it. Um, because to be quite frank, I do not have an official diagnosis. I just know what I feel and, mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, I've anecdotally compared it, and I, I feel like this is what's going on. So um, it feels nice. It feels nice. At least I'm not alone in this pain.
1: No, no, no. Yeah. I am, I am getting older, Flo, and I just – I don't even want to sit at my desk anymore, like, when I come home from work. But sometimes I have to, or occasionally I want to. And in that situation, especially when I was working from home, um, I need to like make sure that when I get up from the desk several hours later, I am in as good a spot as I can be to go to work the next day. Uh, so over the course of the pandemic, I invested in some ergonomic gear. I actually had a former boss, Matt Safford, shout out to him, uh, I was complaining about my wrists once and he sent me this. This is a hyper X wrist rest. Um, oh, it's yeah. nice and long and like super plush and has the perfect height. I have never like had a wrist rest actually work for me before I got this thing. but huge shout out to uh, this one, Hyper X, just like I think it's just called the hyper X wrist rest. Uh, but the big thing I invested in over the course of the pandemic was in this chair I'm sitting in. This is the uh, autonomous Ergo Chair 2. And I got it for two reasons, one of which relates to the segue that I gave before we entered this section, uh, which is that uh, n- gamer chairs are not good for your back, I think, uh, but they are among the cheaper, like premium office chairs. You can get if you want to get something that's actually built for ergonomics, you usually have to spend a lot of money and get something from like Herman Miller or whatever, which is right. why a lot of people rely on gamer chairs, despite them not being great for them, because they tend to be affordable. Um, but I was using a gamer chair for maybe a year, a year and a half, and it broke on me. And I was like, this is a perfect opportunity to upgrade because I hated that thing. I, by the way, the gamer chair was using is behind me. My boyfriend still uses it. It's called, it's the respawn. It's like a hundred dollars or whatever. The uh, respawn. Yeah. yeah. So I was, uh, <laughs> yeah, he, um, I tell you what, our cat loves it. So that's very good. I um, mean,
0: cats love where a warm butt was. <laughs>
1: But I was go- I was looking at uh, like the Herman Miller Aeron, which is $1,000. And I was like, okay, this is way too far on the other end of the spectrum. And what I ended up settling on instead was this, which is the Autonomous Ergo Chair 2. It normally costs, I think, around $600, which is still pretty pricey. Mid-range. I got it on a sale for closer to like $400 or so. And I love this thing. It's got like this nice suspension back built in its headrest is adjustable. It's back is adjustable. I'm not going to, it's armrests are adjustable. I'm not going to show the whole thing um, because that would be a lot of moving the camera about, but if you're still using a gamer chair, I highly recommend like a a proper ergonomic office chair. Um, And There are ones out there that come from reputable brands that don't cost a thousand dollars. This is just happens to be the one I stumbled upon.
0: I am not sure how ergonomic my chair is. I have this bungee chair, Mm. which my understanding is this is a doctor's chair. A lot of doctors buy this chair. Um, It was something my husband bought me many years ago and I just never got rid of it. I have a purple cushion underneath it for my boutique which is nice. <laughs> um, the real ergonomic issue was with my desk because I had a very small desk that I had bought from Target purely for aesthetics because when I had bought it, I originally built like a video set. And
1: so I, I made that his- mistake too. I actually exactly. installed a, a. My desk is not adjustable at all. Meanwhile, my boyfriend has this nice standing desk behind me. So recently I actually installed an under desk keyboard tray on my desk so that like my hands aren't mm-hmm. reaching up to type instead, they're nice and flat to type. The big thing you want to avoid is like pronated wrists or like moving them in like weird positions that you wouldn't do naturally. Mm-hmm. So now I have a a keyboard that just lays flat in front of me. I have my wrists nice and just like not squeezed in uh, on that wrist dress. And now I'm like encouraged to sit up straight by my chair speaking of
0: wrists this this is a good time for me to get into this mouse
1: yes (laughs) so i wanted to talk about my office just because like i'm here right now but uh all this is stuff that has been out for a while but flo you reviewed this mouse recently
0: now as you can see right here the mic can still catch me as you can see right here uh, unfortunately, this mouse got a lot of uh, Flo's grimy grease on it, and you could read more about that in my review, which I'll put in <laughs> the show notes. What is this
1: mouse, by the way? This is the so Logitech- the mouse.
0: Right, I should give you the name. The mouse is called the Logitech Lift. Apologies to the audio listeners who are listening to this and don't know what I'm pointing to. Logitech Lift, and what it is, is a um, er- ergonomic vertical mouse. So you cradle this mouse. Uh, a little more naturally than you would a regular mouse, which would have you using your wrist. I guess it would have you flicking your wrist like back and forth like this, or at least that's how I was using it. Yes, I would have my wrist just kind of flicking versus moving my actual arm along the table, which puts the onus on my arms rather than the little bones and and. Veins and whatever is going on there. I'm
1: not a doctor, folks, so
0: I don't know all-, <laughs> all of the anatomical, all uh, the, the
1: the goo and 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 rods inside of me.
0: <laughs> well, I, and I'm just imagining all those rods are just like, stop using us. We're so broken, which is why. <laughs> When this mouse came out and I saw like folks were reviewing it, it was getting a lot of really good ratings. And so I asked Logitech, can you send me one? Because I want to try this out for myself. And I was actually having a carpal tunnel flare up when I called this in. I really do think what happened when I got this mouse in is that it helped alleviate some of the pain I was feeling from my previous mouse situation, which was also a Logitech mouse. And that kind of spurred me to say, you know, what, I need to fix everything else. So I went and I bought a new desk. I did get a cheap standing desk from Amazon Basics, which was $200 instead of like $1,500, as I would suggest for you if you want to get a legitimate standing desk. But it's because it's a hand crank version, (laughs) which is fine. It's perfectly fine. I just wanted an adjustable desk. And everything has been so much better since I just went in and prioritized my health and my well-being over aesthetics because for a while i kind of was like oh let me get all the cute like pink and purple and teal things and then that ultimately ended up to me not prioritizing what i needed to which was the desk i was sitting at the the way i sit at my desk you know all those really little things have helped exponentially and i i do want to backtrack very quickly i know we talk a lot about getting old on this podcast <laughs> Before you before you were here, Michelle, I had a shtick where I was talking about how old we are, but I want to just let everybody know what's really happening is that we're all coming to terms with what happens as you get older with your body. And I think in your mid-30s is when you start to see, when you start to feel the evidence more, like in your 20s, you kind of got away with it, right? That's why like hangovers aren't as bad. And that's why you can be not ergonomic and get away with it. But years and years of doing that, eventually you start to see it in the mirror. You start to feel it in your wrists, in your back. And that's when you really have to start thinking, is what I have at my desk a good situation for me?
1: Um, Because this workplace this is workplace, uh, yeah. Setup, especially is what now. It is. I so I wish I had started like paying attention to like decking out my office for uh, more than aesthetics a while ago. But you know, part of that is also uh, budget. So hopefully, with yep. our reviews, we can help you decide which of these ergonomic uh, gadgets 60 work bucks. best for you,
0: or seventy seventy bucks, which is which is about the cost for like a high-end i should say mid to high-end logitech mouse so (laughs) it's not it's not totally
1: like out of out of bounds in terms of pricing you can skip one triple a video game to get that mouse but maybe not the triple a video game that Flo's excited about
0: oh this is great what a great segue michelle okay let's take a break from talking about ergonomics and when we get back We're going to talk about pretty much my favorite thing in the world after my kid, which is Pokemon.
1: (laughs) Sounds good.
0: (laughs) BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. You know, one of my favorite songs is Let's Dance by Donna Summer. And I wish that we could appropriate it for this segment. Let's fan. Oh,
1: let's fan. You know, let's I, can, fan. I can talk to uh <laughs> I can talk to our bosses about licensing that, but I don't know how willing they'll be able to play ball.
0: Yeah, rest in peace, Donna Summer. Thank you for the wonderful music you gave us. And thank you to the Pokemon composers who have made the music that has been stuck in my head since I was 13 years of
1: age. We're going to get so many copyright strikes on this episode. I know.
0: (laughs) I know. We're going to get muted all over YouTube and everything. Um, Great news, everybody. The second trailer for the Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet has officially released this morning. It gives us finally a little bit more glimpse into the gameplay ish, although it's not final. Um, I would say, Michelle, would you say this is mostly a vanity trailer?
1: You know, I think it's mostly a vanity trailer. It is interesting to me that it does not have, as far as I remember, like any top-down footage. It's all the same behind-the-back footage of uh, Arceus, uh, which makes makes me think like, oh, they're teasing what kind of mechanics are going to be in this game. But yeah, I wouldn't go so far as to call this a big gameplay trailer. I agree. So
0: for the uninitiated i don't even know how okay if you're not initiated with pokemon you know i I wouldn't blame you for skipping to the end of this podcast
1: i'm jealous honestly you uh you don't have to have a, a section of your brain just running pokemon at all times like the rest of us
0: right like twitch plays pokemon is exactly what i have going on in a small part of my brain at all times um by the way my version is pokemon red what's your version
1: the one I started with, also red. Oh, nice! Fist bump. <laughs> the uh, my favorite one is Soul Silver. Uh, I do oh, deep cut. Deep I cut. I do like black and white just because I think the animation for it is so nice um, mm-hmm. and really clever. And it's a shame that we've never seen something like that since the move to three D. But whatever.
0: I. Honestly, I'm still fi- uh, finishing Arceus, uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus. Same, I same. Finally, got like the last three Pokemon bosses that you're supposed to get, and I but I haven't fully finished the narrative. And part of it is because I've been really enjoying the game so much; mm-hmm. I'm just savoring it. Sometimes I'll log on just to go capture Alphas, just because I think it's fun to like sneak and you know, kind of like stunt them with something and then try and capture them and then they fight you. And it's cause it makes you feel like what I wanted from Pokemon go that I didn't get. Yeah. As a mobile game.
1: I am. Um, it's actually very interesting how much RCS takes from go in the same way. So let's go took from go a lot. You can tell from the name even in that, like you catch Pokemon, not so much by battling them, but by doing a Pokemon pokeball tossing game. Arceus does the same thing, but like hardcore gamers are like, Oh, I hate let's go. It's too casual and ruins the game. But meanwhile, hardcore gamers are like, wow, Arceus is the breath of the wild, fresh air for Pokemon that it needed. And they are both like all about sneaking around and throwing pokeballs at the Pokemon. Uh, It's just one actually puts you in the world in a, a semi realistically proportioned body. Um, uh, well, the other one puts you in like this kind of poorly motion controlled video game. Um, but mm-hmm. it's interesting to then see those elements that people like from Arceus so much in this new trailer and kind of sad to not see a few of them. Uh, so Flo, what stood out to you about Pokemon Scarlet and Violet in this trailer? I know what stood out to me and it's Lechonk, but we can talk about that later. Oh
0: yeah. I put Lechonk on there too. Um, well, we'll tell you who LeChonk is in a second. I do want to make a slight side note that if you go to the again, I am on. I'm a person on Reddit because I just find like it's a really easy way to get a top down view on the internet. You know, when I need to like see what's going on, the Let's Go subreddit is very active. People mm-hmm. are still like hunting shinies in there, and so you would think this game that a lot of people didn't like, the fans still really love it. I love as the a art style note.
1: for Let's Go. Just, as I agree. Another side
0: note. Mm-hmm. I agree. So that aside, the thing I really am interested in, so I'm probably only going to get Pokemon Violet, just because Violet is my favorite color. It, as you can see, there's a lot of purple going on here, people. I, I think
1: am- I like the box art Pokemon for mm-hmm. Scarlet a little better, so I might go for that one. But I
0: also go buy box art. I <laughs> yes, that's why I got Shield when I did Sword and
1: Shield. That's why I got sword. Red Flow. <laughs> Same, same. Uh-huh. You can get this turtle or you can get a cool kick-ass dragon. Like exactly. Exactly. I am
0: kind of I really liked Sword and Shield. A lot of people didn't like that either. I liked it because it was sort of the beginning of what we got in Arceus mm-hmm. of um, the wild area in Sword and Shield is fun because you get to like go out and, and capture Pokemon. Well, you get to encounter them uh, the way that you would in RCS, and so I'm glad that they're keeping that mechanism because I think that is how the next gen Pokemon games are going to thrive with the next gen players. Mm-hmm. It's sort of,
1: you know, I it's, it's I my- like Sword and Shield too. I thought it kind of. I don't go to Pokemon games for the plot for the most part, except for Soul Silver, <laughs> which I think actually is pretty decent. You go to plot. the
0: Pokemon anime for the plot.
1: <laughs> uh Journeys is actually really fun. So good. It's But so good. My, my kid loves it. Yeah. Uh I like go to Ash can get out of there. Uh but what, no, Ash is fine in Journeys, but um I don't go to the Pokemon games for the plot so much, but somehow like the Sword and Shield plot towards the end really petered off in a way that I found really disappointing. Like the I agree. cool legendaries were just kind of there and the big villain felt like he had to make this very urgent decision for something that was going to come like hundreds of years from now. I think it's cute that Pokemon tried to address climate change, but um, it just felt like really slap slapdash and haphazard. But the actual journey of Sword and Shield was really nice. I enjoyed that a lot. I enjoyed going between the different towns. I uh, thought it was really interesting that there were different gym leaders between versions, and that seems to be something that they're embracing even more with Scarlet and Violet, where you have different professors between versions. Um,
0: That's money. That's money right there. That's how Mm -hmm. you get me to buy the double pack. Mm -hmm. That's how you get me to spend $102 instead of $60, or whatever discount they give you when you buy both at the same time. Sometimes they throw in a plushie. (laughs)
1: But yeah, Scarlet and Violet since um, since X and Y, they've been like, or actually no, since Black and White, they've been setting Pokemon games in like pseudo versions of real life areas outside of Japan. Before that, love. it was all Japanese regions, and uh, this time it's Spain's turn. Uh, mm-hmm. So we have uh, Poke Spain coming up with scarlet and violet so you have these nice sun drenched tropical I'm locations so giddy. and the you know I don't want to rely on stereotype or something but those professors flow in that trailer they, they chiseled so- the hell out of their jaws let me talk to you player they
0: really <laughs> they really are going for us thirsty folks who have been mm-hmm. playing this game for a long time the the middle aged <laughs> Those of us who just need a little something, you know. We mm-hmm. just need a little George Clooney in our Pokemon games.
1: That's that's how they're aging Pokemon with the audience. They're not touching the mechanics a bunch. Even Arceus was pretty old school and it's still um, they're not touching the like cutesy creatures too much, although those legendaries for the new ones do look a lot like Digimon. Um, but Don't, the
0: right <laughs> Yes, I. The you human know,
1: characters I, are such thirst traps now, though.
0: They are. They're making them so much like, you know. And I, it, and I'm making a joke, but I also like, what am I going to do when I'm seventy? Because I'm still going to play Pokemon. It's like Skyrim, Grandma. You know, like she just keeps the game going. She uses mods. She's just doing whatever. I love and so I
1: think, You know who else I love? Who's probably looking forward to Pokemon? Just quick shout out if you've not heard of food for dogs food for dogs is an excellent channel it's an older woman like in her 70s or 80s and she just like gets super into jrpgs and like really niche ones too she plays like trail in the sky she plays like Thirteen Sentinels. She did like a video about the new Rune Factory that came out, and she oh, has this really deep cuts. <laughs> she has this wow. really sweet video about how she got into it because she like got the braid game for her granddaughter yes. or yes, something. Braid. Braid was a um, really beautiful game. And yeah. then I think she had someone pass away and for whatever reason she played that game a, a ton just to occupy her Brief. time. And she doesn't mm-hmm. even like the game that much she says in the video, but it, it opened up the the floodgates for her and now. She's just an anime grandma and it's who I want to be when I grow up. So go watch food for dogs channel. If you haven't, sorry, I just had to make that quick side. I'm going to
0: link it in the show notes. I just took a little notey note for that. So I'll link it in the show notes for anybody who's interested. Well, this is good news for us, Michelle. Um, I, you know, we're running a little bit out of time, but before we run out of time, we should bring up La chunk.
1: Uh, so the mechanics in this game seem like a mix between Sword and Shield and Arceus. We don't know a lot. A ton wasn't revealed in the trailer, but you can go watch it there. It's game mostly... Gameplay not final. ...behind the back. Realistic proportions like Arceus. Graphics look a little nicer than Arceus, but we don't see alphas. You don't see agile, strong style. So we'll see what they do for that. But... Also with this trailer, we saw a few new Pokemon revealed. There's the new box art legendaries or whatever. There's also a cute tiny pig who's crying all the time. And his name is Lechonk. And I love him.
0: I love him too. I think he's going to be one of the first ones that you run into. Like when you go out into the green field, whatever the first green field is that you go into. Um, I'm I'm actually not hating on the new Pokemon they're introducing into this. I like the starters. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is the first time. In my multi decade Pokemon playing history, that I'm going to choose a leaf starter over a water starter. This
1: is your first time?
0: Oh my God. I always go with a water starter because
1: I just, I know oh how to. God. Even as a Pokemon Red girl.
0: I, I know. Yeah. I know. I wow. didn't go with, I had Blastoise in Pokemon Red. Have you my ever brother... taken
1: a fire starter flow? Mm-mm. My oh, brother was the Charmander. You're on, missing out on, on so many Blue. good, good boys and girls.
0: But, but I always collect, listen, I always add them to my team later. Um. Like, um, in Sword and Shield, I ended up finding Bunny and whatever he turns into. And, um, you know, grace. I actually, I went with, um, I went with the Centipede one, sent to Scorch. ended up being my, my mm. big winner. Really
1: strong. That those. was a good so one. I like shield. the the nasty little like fairy goblin who like has cool armor, but it's all made out of hair. Um, I like uh, Impidimp uh, is mm-hmm. his starter form. I mm-hmm. forget what it is Grim Snarl. Yeah, mm-hmm. but uh, I love the name Impidimp. This, I'm like 31 years old, Flo, and I'm saying Impidimp <laughs> and Grim Snarl. But whatever.
0: Who? It's you know what you know what I love about Pokemon. Is that I really hope that this is – I think this is how Disney people feel, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? And sometimes I snark on Disney people, and I apologize to to those who maybe have been – I'm sure uh, we have
1: some of them in our our listeners. I have been seeing your mouse pad in the background the whole time, and, like, those look like the Toy Story aliens, but (laughs) – this episode um, is going to be really interesting for audio-only viewers, uh, and,
0: we, and we and we apologize. Today's just one of those days where like the visuals are really catching our eye. Um, I mean, the Pokemon trailer, but yeah, I really love raising my kid on Pokemon. It's a weird concept because you are in capturing animals and having them do your bidding, but. But then we had really nice I movies like Detective it. Pikachu. And, you know, <laughs> it, there's always such a, like, there's such an element of you bring this Pokemon in, they're your family, you take care of them. And I think that's what I really love about the Pokemon games is that there's such a, there's such a sentimentality to it. And, yes, it's extremely saccharine, like the cheesiest Full House episode sometimes, but mm-hmm. it's a nice... It's a good – I like that. I like yeah. that. And I like the world that I get to live in and have magical power. Yeah. It's,
1: I, it's I like great. it too. I actually read the – I read the Pokemon manga a while back, Pokemon Adventures. Um, nice. And it's just like this really – idea there's a lot of actually really dark stuff in the manga, but mm-hmm. it goes to this like really idealistic view of the world where like it's sort of based on – the way Japanese cities are laid out. And you can see that in the early games too, where it's all very walkable and there's these, you know, cute, tiny little houses everywhere. And it seamlessly integrates with nature and a child could theoretically safely go on a journey throughout it and live optimistically between like tech and and nature. And that's, that's an ideal that I want to see like our world moving towards. And I'm not doing a good job describing it, but like, the I way Kyoto is laid out is like, honestly, like I'm going to get into my city planning mode because I surprisingly have a lot of city planning hot takes we shouldn't be built around cars the way we are. Uh, but the Pokemon world just like gives you an ability to do things that we should be able to do in real life. And I want to take that energy and bring it to the real world.
0: That's a really good note to end on for that <laughs> segment because we could go more. I feel like we should do a special episode on Pokemon. <laughs> if you'd like that, you should send us an email again at gadgets at Let us know how you feel about that idea. Uh, also, by the way, everyone really appreciate the comments and feedback that you've had about gadgets. So keep sending over those emails. I, you know, keep sending me DMS if you've got um, any questions, concerns, comments, I'm reading everything you're sending over and I really do appreciate it. Michelle, I want to thank you for being here. Of course. Thank you for,
1: for being my, uh, my host this episode. I was a little tired today, so I'm glad to be able to play co-host this time.
0: I am just living off of coffee. (laughs) Thank you.
1: Coffee. I have coffee sitting in the other room. I am so excited.
0: (laughs) Well, before we officially go forever until the next episode, that is, we'd like to say a big thank you to our producer and editor, Artem Gulub for making us sound good every week and making us look good, because you might have noticed there's a lot mm-hmm. more video element on Gizmodo.com. We've got clips from this podcast that you will see on Gizmodo.com and on yes. YouTube. So please be sure to stay tuned We're to coming those.
1: for you, Netflix. Co- <laughs> exactly. It's going to be the, the Gadgets flicks. Yes. But no, thank you so much, Artem. And uh, thank you to our editor-in-chief, actually, David Ewalt, for making us sound nice uh, and doing audio editing for that. We appreciate that as well. Flo, mm-hmm. where can people find you online?
0: Uh, you can find me on social media, where I always am, <laughs> at oh, that flow. And I'm everywhere, every social media platform. By the way, side note, if you ever want to go to my byline specifically at gizmodo.com, I have a special URL. It's flowrights.tech.
1: Ooh, I yes. should make so one of those.
0: Directly to my Kinja page. I pay
1: $40 a year for the URL through Hover. Nice. So, uh, And then you can find me on at Shell Earhart on uh, twitter.com. It's just my name. With the MI cutoff, I need to find a better way of describing that. Um, but yeah, I'm always happy to talk. And Michelle is also
0: why our, all of our articles look really good on Gizmodo.com. So do thank Michelle for her editing prowess. We also want to remind you that you can find us at the Gizmodo Twitter feed. And you can also subscribe wherever you get your podcasts on apple podcasts if you're there leave us a review it really helps us get discovered and on spotify you can leave us a review over there you don't even have to write anything you could just put in some stars and it'll really help us out there too we also uh of course are on pocket casts overcasts and google podcasts too although those might come out a little later than the other ones but hey until next week everybody we really want to thank you for being here for listening in and we'll see what's
1: next for us next week see you next week everyone bye